Hey everyone, welcome to the Destination Health Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Martin. I'm excited to welcome this week's guest, Jonathan Guyman, a.k.a. Joe Health. Jonathan is the creator and host of the Joe Health Podcast. He's amassed over 100 episodes covering a wide range of health topics. I highly recommend checking out the Joe Health Podcast. He was nice enough to uh, have me on for three episodes. I was on uh, one for my sort of my backstory, one to talk about running, and one to talk about Lyme disease. But uh, I'm sure if you go back through and look over the hundred episodes, you'll find other topics that are um, of interest to you if you're interested in health. And um, what makes this um, so impressive? is that Jonathan is a very busy guy. I mean, he is a father, he's a husband, he's a musician, a business owner, a runner, and lately he's been getting into tying flies for fishing. And uh, so he's a very busy guy, so you may think, well, this is probably just a side gig for him to make some money. No, he makes no money from this. Jonathan is just passionate about helping people improve their health. And uh, he sort of reminds me of uh, what I believe they used to call the town crier. Before the internet, uh, long ago, they used to have these guys that would come down to the village square and get up on their soapbox and start preaching. But instead of preaching about uh, religion, Jonathan preaches about good health and the the importance of eating a whole foods natural foods diet uh, so we'll be getting into some of that in uh, in the episode we're gonna be talking about his health journey that he had before he sort of uh, adopted a uh, ketogenic diet and we'll be talking in detail about the keto diet and uh, I'll be trying to play devil's advocate and we'll go back and forth on that. And then we get into uh, health coaching and the role that health coaching uh, plays or could play to help people when they get this uh, sort of vague order from their doctor to, well, you need to lose weight. You need to exercise. Well, how do you do that? Um, so that's where the role of the health coach comes in. So I think you'll enjoy the episode. Um, got a, some good back and forth. And uh, before I um, get into that, I just wanted to uh, point out sort of a technical issue I had. It was my first remote interview. I've always had the, the guest in my studio prior to this. So I encountered a little bit of a technical issue on uh, my mic. Um, I don't think it's uh, very bad, but it's not quite the quality I'm used to. So I wanted to point that out. Just as a reminder, please like, subscribe, share, give me uh, feedback. So let's talk to Jonathan Guyman. Hi, Jonathan. Welcome to the podcast. Hey Rick, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah, how are you uh, feeling after running those uh, two five-mile segments with me the other day? Oh, Rick, I will say that was the furthest I've ran in a while. Um, my first ever back-to-back -back running days, where I would run in the morning, mm 
go to work, run in the evening. And I felt it pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did appreciate you coming out. I mean, you had one of the tougher sections because we had to climb a hill. Yeah, that other the, that other side of the valley, though, that, that climbs pretty, pretty rough, too. Yeah, but you did it. You did uh, two out of the three climbs. Yeah. You did. All right. So uh, you did yeah, all three so, out of the three climbs. So, yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah, so I wanted to um, just start out by um, explaining how I met you. And uh, uh, that day is sticks in my mind very vividly because you were running barefoot. Nice. <laughs> I was at a, uh, a group run um, and we started out on the road uh, going up to the Appalachian Trail and you were barefoot the whole way and i was just amazed i had never seen anyone do that and so that really stuck in my mind and then uh, i found it so interesting i think it was maybe 2 years later i found out that you had a podcast so uh yeah so um you invited me on which i appreciated and uh, so now our roles are reversed. How do you feel about that? It is uh, a little bit easier uh, being on this side of the microphone where I'm the one being interviewed and I don't have to come up with all the questions and the direction. So it's it's very nice. And yes, I do have some fond memories of uh, barefoot running the Appalachian Trail. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was amazing. We, we could probably do a whole separate podcast on that. We but. could. I feel like we already kind of did, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this this is good. I'm I'm happy to be on your show and talk about all things destination help. Yeah, yeah. So the first thing I wanted to hear your background. I don't think I've actually heard your background. I I know that you sort of have a weight loss story, and you eventually became a uh, certified primal health coach. So maybe you can give us a little background of uh, how or what led to that and why you wanted to become certified, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I'll try to keep this, uh, I'll kind of try to do the Cliff Notes version. And then if there's anything you want to go back and unpack, you know, just let me know. Um, Okay. uh, But I'm trying to remember my first foray into like food and, and things like that and and. I always remember probably 10 years ago, maybe I I wanted to, I thought like that eating all plants, you know, was like the way to go, like and mm-hmm. eating only vegetables. So for like a week, I did that. <laughs> just a week. And just a week. Um, I'm not sure why I, I stopped, but uh, it was just a week. But I always like, I knew there was something about kind of the food that we eat was connected to us somehow more than just you know, mindless eating. Um, but probably my first foray into weight loss was, uh, in 2000, I think eight or not, no, probably 2006. Wow. That's pretty long time ago. My uh, buddies and I, we were going to do a weight loss challenge because we were all probably getting into our late twenties and, Mm -hmm. uh, and putting some weight on. Uh, and we are going to the beach that year in uh, September. And so probably sometime in June or July, we decided we needed to do a weight loss challenge. So a couple of us uh, weighed in. And at that point, I'm 6'1", approximately 6'1", 
And mm-hmm. I, I, I remember the day we were doing it, my buddy Brian and I, uh, we ate like a whole bunch of McDonald's that day, not like it mattered that much, and drank like a gallon of water. And I think I weighed in around 211. Wow. You know? So I'm six foot. 211's not that big, but it was all in my gut. Like it was a very unhealthy weight for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we started this weight loss challenge. Obviously, we had no kids and anything like that. So we were working out at the gym like every day, playing racquetball, lifted weights. I would go on runs and bike rides. And over the course of about two and a half months, I lost like 33 pounds. Um, and that was just not knowing what I'm doing, right? I'm, I'm just cutting calories and working out like crazy. And I lost 33 pounds. I didn't even win the challenge. Um, but my diet was pretty much, I think I remember it was like low fat chicken breasts, you know, which are already low fat. I don't know why I said low fat chicken breasts, but, uh, <laughs> Um, yo, like yogurt salads. I I remember eating like a a parfait or something like that from McDonald's, like yogurt and berries and granola, um, thinking it was healthy. Um, I still drank some Miller lights every now and then, but I think we even did this like three day diet where you would eat like, like three crackers and a a hard boiled egg and then eat that for like three days. (laughs) Like that's it. And like maybe six ounces of a chicken breast. And then the other four days you could eat whatever you wanted, you know, within reason. Um, and that really worked to lose a lot of weight. But then we went to the beach and obviously it took one meal at IHOP. I didn't yeah. want to eat anything like it was it was weird, you know, because I had avoided pretty much all like kind of greasy fast food, you know, for, mm-hmm. you know, three months. But we got to IHOP and I was just kind of lost. I remember that I was like, what, what do I do? Like, there's nothing here that I feel like I should eat. Um, but then I, I did end up ordering something and I was like, all right, this is pretty good. Like I'm on vacation. Like I should be able to eat whatever. And, uh, that's what we did on that vacation. I ended up eating whatever. And then slowly after a couple of years, like all of that weight just came right back. Um, yeah, all the weight came right back. And then, uh, a buddy of mine told me about paleo and I was like, well, what's paleo? And he's like, well, that's kind of what cavemen eat. So I was like, all right, what do cavemen eat? And so I started this paleo what cavemen eat diet without even looking into it. Right. I just said, what cavemen so eat? Well, you didn't have a plan. No you just plan. Came no, came up no. with something that you thought was paleo. Yep. I came up with what okay. I thought cavemen eat and cavemen apparently could eat popcorn because I'm sure they had corn <laughs> and they figured out a way to pop it. And if they had butter, they would use it. So I was pretending, you know, so popcorn was still on the table and like salads with salad dressings were still on the table. Um, but I did eliminate most fast food. Uh, so the diet naturally did get cleaned up a little bit aside from some certain things. And I set a goal. I said, if I want, and this was around my whole barefoot days, uh, if I lose, like if I get down to 180, I can get a pair of Vibram five fingers. Uh, so I got down to 180 and I got myself a pair of Vibram five finger KSOs. And then I stopped what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and sure enough, the weight all came back again <laughs> uh, yeah. over over a couple months or years because I stopped what I was doing that was working. And, yeah. uh, and I did this another time where I had I had gained like twenty or thirty pounds, and then I lost it, and then I just eventually um, I just didn't care anymore at that point. And this was probably two thousand and uh, probably sixteen. I was uh, like the worst health I'd ever been. I'd gotten a concussion in 2015. Uh, and I, I really enjoyed craft beer, but then I got my Mm. concussion and then I couldn't 
the craft beer just didn't taste the same anymore. And I discovered whiskey was really good. Um, and you think the concussion somehow uh, altered your perception of the taste of craft beer? Maybe. I, I don't know. Wow. Um, it, or it was that I, I hope had, I never get a concussion. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, yeah. so I don't know what it was, but I, I felt, but then I like was sipping on some whiskey and I was like, oh man, this is really good. But it was not a good year for me mentally, uh, with the concussion, with other things going yeah. on with my mental health, uh, was in the dumper, uh, for a long time. And, uh, something I was still, it's a whole nother part of my story there that we'll probably touch on a little bit, but, um, yeah. I was drinking a lot of whiskey. I mean, I was the guy oh. that had, I mean, if we were to make Raymond noodles for dinner, I would make three packs just for me and then two packs for the rest of the family. Um, whenever I would make, <laughs> macro- oh yeah, I, I that's mean, a few carbs there. Oh, you, sure. That, that's uh, so you weren't keto at this. No, point. and this is this is my diet. Yeah. I mean, this is my literally my daily diet was. I yeah. wake up in the morning, I go to Sheets, and I'd get a like a half a half frappuccino, half coffee. I'd get a, a bacon, egg, and cheese schmegel, you know, on an everything bagel with yeah. with mayo, and then I'd get an order of cheese sticks. I'd get six cheese sticks because <laughs> Sheets had the best cheese sticks in the valley uh, or wherever, and they were amazing. And then I would get like candy to stick in my pocket for the day, you know, and then okay. lunch I would go to Turkey Hill and get like a ham salad sandwich and a bag of rolled gold pretzels because the jelly beans in my pocket, I needed something salty to go with them. Like literally my nieces and nephews would come up to me because they knew I would keep jelly bellies in my pocket. Um, <laughs> and then dinner would be like pizza or Raymond noodles or macaroni or something like wow. that, you know, and uh so that was that was my diet. So if anyone says like, well, he's always healthy, like, no, I was not. Um, yeah, I was so addicted to foods and and addicted to it. I was I wouldn't say I was addicted, but I definitely really enjoyed those foods and the drinks too. On top of that, I was just not in a good place. Um, yeah, well, the food was probably affecting your mental outlook. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was it was it. I wouldn't say it was the whole cause, but it definitely was not helping at all, period. <laughs> right. Well, you were probably having uh, spikes in your blood sugar and crashes and uh, other ramifications of eating all those carbs. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, you, you'd eat lunch and a couple hours later, you'd be like dying because and you want you need more food. And that's just that's just not normal. It's not right. It shouldn't be that yeah. way. Um, so you're you're doing a lot of yo yo. You're going up, you go down, and at some point you must have gotten it under control. I mean, what led you to f- finally go down the keto path? Yeah, excellent, excellent question. Yeah, I, I was listening to a podcast that was totally unrelated to health and nutrition at all. And the hosts were talking about what they were doing to lose weight and they mentioned keto. And this was probably January, around January of 2016. And mm-hmm. I was like, keto, what's keto? And they say, you got to get rid of carbs. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and mind you, I'm even a runner through all of this. You know, I was running, mm-hmm. I had done my first ultra by then. I'm still running a lot. And in 2016, I was like, what's a carb? I should probably figure out what a carb is. If, if you got to <laughs> give up carbs, um, I always just thought carb equals energy, whatever. But what is it? Like what? Yeah. And then I found out all the things I was eating were carbs. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, screw that keto. I ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but then a couple of months later, fast forward, like, like I said, my mental health was in the dumps. It was, it was in the tank. It was, it was really bad. Um, family members yeah. were worried about me. Oh, um, and that's yeah, when that I was, was like, serious. Yeah. So that's, I remember one day, I think it was like April, April or May of 2016. I went to Al's pizza and subs in, uh, in Mechanicsburg or in Enola up there. I ordered yep. a chicken salad and a beer. And I said, keto starts now. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. I, after, I after the beer, after, after the beer. And yeah. that, and I'll be honest, that was it, Rick. That was, uh, that was it. I, I started keto and I'll never forget the house that I was working in when I started keto because uh, I absolutely destroyed their bathroom for the week after I started keto. <laughs> um, well, we, we won't go into too many of the Oh, I would, I would love to. Well, here, the thing is, I <laughs> no. thought I was painting their basement and it's a really nice house with a finished basement. I thought surely they have a bathroom in their basement <laughs> and they didn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, keto, if you jump full bore into keto like I did, your body is going to go through some serious changes up front. Uh, and if you're not prepared, um, like the theme that Rick is learning from me is I don't often always have a plan sometimes when I, when I jump into stuff, I just start it and figure it out along the way. Um, <laughs> I should have thought about uh, disaster pants before I started keto, but, uh, but I started keto and then I just started up re- reading and learning all things keto and finding the keto podcasts and understanding what, what, what it was, what you could eat, what you couldn't eat. And ultimately that led me to the, uh, primal blueprint, the primal health coach program by Mark Sisson. Okay. And, uh, and honestly, I almost didn't sign up for it because I didn't think it was keto enough. Cause I thought keto was going to save everybody. I was a really big keto zealot. Um, well, one thing that confuses me a little bit is it's it's always referred to as primal, mm-hmm. and then that always makes me wonder well, what's the difference between primal and keto. Well, are they one and the same? They're very similar. Well, keto, you know, if uh, just to kind of bring people up, it's a it's called it's called keto. It's short for ketosis, and it's basically when you it's a healthy it's a metabolic process like that's what our bodies are designed to do uh, is to go into a state of ketosis when there's an absence of carbohydrate uh, our body begins to break down stored body fat to use as fuel and it'll it'll do that that's what ke- that's why keto is a really good fat loss tool because you're not using carbohydrates for energy you're using all of that body fat that you've been storing for 20 years um you're finally able to tap into that um and primal is essentially just a way of eating that's not macronutrient specific. Exactly like keto, mm-hmm. you have to keep your carbohydrates under a certain threshold uh, mm-hmm. to, to enter ketosis. Primal is more of a, here's what you should be eating and then eat accordingly. Like if you want to be keto, you can eat primally and be keto, or you can eat primally and be metabolically efficient, you know, being able to utilize carbohydrates and fats for fuel. Um, but primal is essentially, it really follows three main principles and that's avoid seed oils like, uh, vegetable oils and, you know, like soybean oil, canola oil, things like that, uh, avoiding grains and avoiding added sugars, you know, so basically eat real whole foods. Right. So, so yeah, and it's very similar to paleo too. Like you hear primal paleo, it's essentially the same thing. Paleo, I don't think you're allowed to eat dairy. Um, allowed. Okay. I hate, I don't like the word allowed, but paleo really shies away from dairy and primal. The primal stance is more of, well, if, 
you're if you can tolerate it, have at it. If you can't, don't eat it. Where paleo is more of a hard and fast, like nope, we're not doing dairy sort of okay. thing. Okay. So yeah, I mean that's uh, yeah, it's an interesting um, topic, uh, dairy, because you know there's some people in the world that are adapted to dairy and then other parts of the world are not. Mm -hmm. Um, I found out a lot of Asian people are not um, genetically adapted. So they have a lot of lactose intolerance issues. So I guess it sounds like primal was saying, well, it's not necessarily bad if, you know, you're genetically adapted to it and you don't have issues that come as a result of it, but you know, obviously, if you have issues, don't eat it. Sure. Yep. That's exactly yeah. right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that's interesting. And then, what drove you to want to go the whole way into becoming a certified health coach? I thought more people would take me seriously when I talked about keto if I was a certified primal health coach. <laughs> For credibility. Then. For credibility's sake, most of what I learned in the program was kind of a refresher of what I already had learned from uh, listening to podcasts about keto and clean living and eating. You know, okay. So yeah, I thought that having that... Uh, that title behind my name, like, Hey, I'm a certified health coach. Oh, you are, are you? Well, maybe I should listen to you. And that didn't exactly happen. <laughs> okay. Well, I, Hey, I, I understand, uh, because I actually did something similar. I got a certification from precision nutrition mm -hmm. and, uh, it's a little more agnostic, uh, compared to primal. Uh, in terms of which diets they recommend. But I, I sort of had the same thinking was, well, you have a little bit more credibility. And at the time I was coaching runners. So I thought that might be an added benefit to have that. Uh, but I never really, I was never a separate nutrition coach. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I can understand. You want to just... Uh, Get those, uh, get that certificate uh, earned, and uh, it's just a little more credibility. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and, and genuinely, and, and genuinely too, I want to help other people that are struggling with their weight or their health. Uh, yeah. obviously, and I thought that having that would open up the door for people to be like, okay, John really does know what he's talking about, even though I knew what I was talking about beforehand as well, you know. But is it came from a place of I want to help other people. You know, but I learned pretty quickly, you can't help other people unless they want to help themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I once had a uh, person hire me to teach them to like running. <laughs> and it was like, well, that's a tall order. I, I, I don't know how to make you <laughs> like running. Right. You, you know what I mean? It's It's got to be something you're interested in. You can't you have to have some amount of self-motivation. I can't yeah. force you to like running. Yep. And I, and I don't think you should, like a coach should be able to motivate, but I think that comes from like you already having the motivation to begin with, you know? Yeah. Um, your coach isn't going to quit on you, you know? Right. There's gotta be some, uh, 
So uh, there's got to be some motivation behind right. it. Yeah. So, well, I thought uh, we we talk a little bit more about keto because it's really been in the news uh, lately. I it just in the last few days, I've been reading a number of things. Uh, one of the, one of the things I read about is uh, a new book out by. Uh, a very reputable uh, nutrition reporter, uh, Gary Tobbs. He wrote the book, The Case for Keto, mm -hmm. uh, which I thought uh, I didn't read. The, I haven't read the book, but uh, I I follow him pretty closely. I read his book, Good Calories, Bad Calories, where he debunked the whole concept of all calories are the same. Mm -hmm. You know, we you know not all a calorie of broccoli is not the same as a calorie of sugar because right. it affects your, the, the way your body processes that calorie is vastly different. And right. so they have different effects. Well, anyway, you know, he, he's a reputable guy. He wrote this book and then I see a, I see a study that shows uh, some promising results with uh, fighting cancer with mm -hmm. keto, which sort of makes sense because cancer cells are feeding off of uh, blood glucose and, you know, you're reducing your carbs and you're relying on these ketones that you mentioned mm -hmm. instead of um, the blood sugar. And so that looked promising. And then I read another article um, by Healthline, the 10 health benefits of ketogenic diets. And they're a very agnostic uh, website. So there's been a lot of pre uh, positive press. I will mention one thing that was negative press. The U.S. News and World Report ranked the, the keto diet, uh, I believe, like next to last out of the list of all the diets. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's not all, it's not all been positive news, but a lot of, a lot of the news has been positive. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts about any of those yeah. things that have rattled off. Oh, for sure. I mean, keto obviously has a tremendous amount of benefits for, I mean, just mental, there's a lot of mental clarity benefits you can get. Um, like you said, I've heard the same thing about cancer, people using a ketogenic diet to help with cancer. It was originally discovered to help treat epilepsy. Uh, so there's mm -hmm. all kinds of mental and cognitive benefits from a ketogenic diet. Um, and, uh, in like, cancer, if you go back and listen to, uh, Dr. Al Dannenberg on the Joe health show podcast that I did a couple weeks ago, he mm -hmm. was diagnosed with multiple myeloma and was expected to die in six months. And it's been like three years and he used a wow. ketogenic diet and now a fully carnivore diet, uh, to treat that uh, disease and with e excellent, uh, results too. Um, so and, you know, you mentioned the U.S. news and always being at the bottom. And, and I have an opinion, and this was written by my friend uh, Christopher Becker on Facebook. He wrote a blog okay. um, at ketology.co. Um, but here's the real reason keto will always rank near the bottom of any of those lists is because of the big, there's there's 10 corporations, Kraft, Coca-Cola, Nestle, PepsiCo, Procter & Gamble, General Mills, Kellogg's, Wrigley, Mars, Unilever, and Johnson & Johnson. They basically own everything. Mm -hmm. They own all like drug, like drugs and all of the, all of the processed food garbage that's out there. And they mm -hmm. have a huge financial swing in those articles and those lists. Um, and another reason 
keto means fewer profits for big pharma. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, uh, when you're talking people using a ketogenic diet to reverse their type two diabetes, whew, um, that's a lot of lost money from uh, big pharma right yeah. there. So I, I hate to, I hate to play the whole conspiracy card, but. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, fully understand that. I did read a little bit of their analysis and the thing that really sort of irritated me about it was it got their rationalization for or at least part of the low ranking was that it wasn't convenient. And, you know, what, well, that's, <laughs> what's that more is important, <laughs> you know, being effective or being convenient, you know, that, that is like a hot button with me because, you know, when I, this goes back to when I had my original meeting with my cardiologist, him telling me that diet and exercise is not effective because people don't stick to it. Well, you know, let give the person the right choice or the theoretically correct choice and then try to educate them how to get there. Don't just throw your arms up and say it's not convenient. Right. I think that's a just a horrible rationale for rating something. Oh, it, it it really is. I mean, let's just be honest. Like it is a little inconvenient to do keto, especially in today's um, processed food environment. But that doesn't yeah. mean you can't do it. It means it takes an honest effort to to make it work. Um, and whether it's keto or whether it's just even eating healthy in general, yeah, it's that alone is inconvenient in today's world. <laughs> yes, it takes effort. I mean, let's face it, uh, the the food supply is not structured uh, to make it convenient to eat it to eat healthy and it costs more too uh, mm -hmm. quite often. Uh, it, you know, not 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 all, not all healthy food is more costly, but you know, let's face it, grass-fed beef is going to be more uh, costly than just yeah. feedlot. No, you disagree yeah. with that? Well, oh, if you're talking beef, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I just, I mean, I just got a half a cow for like $5 a pound. <laughs> okay. Well, you're buying, a, you're <laughs> buying quantity there. I'm just saying too, even, <laughs> even if I bought a freezer, I bought a small freezer to fit a quarter of a cow. And even then after that 150 pounds of meat, it was still like 650 a pound. If you look at all of the money I spent, and that's including like prime rib and ribeye and all the all the steaks and the roast and the ground beef, it all worked out to about six fifty a pound. You know. Okay. So and if if the average like somebody like me, two pounds of beef a day, I could live on. That's twelve bucks a day for food. And two nobody's eating. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's seems like a lot. It well, from I'm a big dude, you know. Um <laughs> nobody's eating for less than twelve dollars a day now no. so uh, when people say it's it's more expensive i'm like yeah well okay but then you <laughs> do you really only want to eat beef every day no it doesn't you get a little you know you know taste bud fatigue but just it goes to show that like it's where your priorities are and, and what you want to do and how you want to live yeah no and there's the whole argument also of uh yeah it, it might be a little more costly up front but right. in the long run if you oh, take yeah. into consideration your reduced medical costs, it's not even close. 
Right. It's yeah. it's definitely cheaper. And if you cheap. look at some of these other food products that are sold in the inside aisles of the grocery store, look at what the per pound cost is on some of that stuff. And a lot of it's pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I thought I would just uh, throw up a few of the standard criticisms that you hear mm-hmm. and just let you respond to that. Uh, oh, sure. Just being the devil's advocate. Oh, yeah. Because I'm, you know, I'm pretty agnostic about it. I, I see a lot of the benefits and especially when I see people that I know or, uh, or my next guest, which I won't uh, get into her whole story, but her story is amazing what she did uh, with a ketogenic uh, diet. It's just incredible. And we'll be hearing about that. But I have other friends that have had a lot of success with it. Now, you know, I I realize it's not statistically valid, but uh, I'm just saying anecdotally, I know it it has worked for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, but I would think that, you know, since you're, you're not eating uh, grains and uh, that is, is that the primary carb you're avoiding where I guess, I guess you have to keep your carbs of all sources below a certain number of grams sure. per day. Is it 50 grams? 50, is that the- between 20 and 50, I think for a lot okay. of people. Now I, I will say this too, like, even though I was keto for a long time right mm-hmm. now, I wouldn't consider myself keto, you know, okay. uh, more of a, a whole just trying to eat as clean as possible. I don't pay much attention to uh, my carbohydrate intake, but I would probably guess that there's very few days that I'm even close to 50 grams of carbohydrate a day. And that's not because I intentionally try to, that's just kind of where I land. Um, But it's probably between 50 and 100 some days, especially over the summer, I had an extra few beers. Uh, (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) Um, yeah. And I I could tell. I could tell in my in my health and the way I was feeling that I was drinking way too many beers over the summer. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. I'll say that preface that up front too that I'm not necessarily advocating just for a keto diet right now, but I do have some background uh, with keto and using it myself, and and maybe even being in keto. Well, I just had a Lara bar, so I'm probably not in ketosis. Oh. Right now. <laughs> well, yeah, but isn't that uh, primarily nuts and well, dates? It is dates, you know. Dates, but, yeah. Um, dates. but yeah, so so yeah, you know. But yeah, I would still love to to hear some of the if you have some of those misconceptions. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, on keto, we can talk about. Yeah, the the one thing that I don't I don't really read a lot about this is you, you're you're going to be eating meat, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I just remember like, and I know this isn't exactly the same, but the old Atkins diet, they used right. to say, ah, just, you know, eat bacon, all, you know, bacon, eggs, whatever, you know, hamburgers, steaks, whatever. But they never talked about the quality of the meat. Right. Like, isn't there a huge difference between, uh, grass-fed beef and and the way it's raised versus just something coming off of corporate feedlot. I mean, there's got to be a, shouldn't there be uh, a qualification and, or some kind of instructions to make sure that the quality of the meat 
uh, meets a certain standard? Um, yes, but uh, let me preface this by saying everything that I'm saying is to my current knowledge, I might be wrong. <laughs> um, but as far as quality, I mean, that's a good point because people will often go keto, but now keto is all the rage. So there's all kinds right. of these keto products out there and these keto bars and these keto yeah. drinks. And one of the things I loved about the primal, uh, program, the primal blueprint, they also ventured in and did like a keto version, you know, and they focused, Mark Sisson wrote a book called Keto Reset Diet, and it really mm-hmm. focused on whole foods keto mm-hmm. you know? and doing keto using real whole foods and not the junky products because nutri- nutrition and nutrient quality does matter. Um, but when it comes to the quality of the meat, uh, the, the, here's, a, as far as I know, the big difference between the grass fed and conventional uh, raised uh, beef mm-hmm. is in how it affects the environment. There's not well, really yeah, nutritionally, sure. yeah, but nutritionally, there's not a whole lot of difference. I mean, there's not enough to be a huge, make a huge difference. Um, you don't think there's any kind of, uh, just, just the whole, <laughs> uh, it might be a little leaner chemical or antibiotics and, no. uh, and you're not going to have nearly as high of the mega three content. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember, I think Rob Wolf did a, did a topic on this. Um, okay. And if people want to look at, just look, I think he just look up Rob. Rob Wolf is one of my go-tos. Like he's okay. probably one of the very few podcasts I still listen to is because he's willing to push up against the dogma, even inside the paleo and primal. Like he was one of the godfathers of the paleo movement. And he's even willing to push back up against some of the dogma. And mm-hmm. I believe he said at one point they looked at the nutritional profiles of grass fed versus conventionally raised beef. And it's really not that much different. Um, Hmm. so like if you're worried about using that, you know, getting the grass fed beef and you can't afford, don't worry about it. Just get the regular stuff. Like nutritionally wise, it's not that much different, but it does make a difference in yes, how the animals are raised, but also the impact that it has on the environment too. Um, that conventionally raised has more of a negative impact than, uh, let's say a, a cow that is raised on a, you know, rotational grazing feedlot, you know, and, you know, regenerative agriculture is all the rage too. Um, there's a great film out there called Sacred Cow uh, that talks about regenerative agriculture and that if we want to reverse climate change, regenerative agriculture with uh, the way we raise cattle is the way to go uh, for doing that. It's phenomenal. Um, so that's one of the reasons, you know, ethically, you go back and forth nutritionally, there's not a whole lot of difference. Um, well, but I think the- it's the whole uh, ecosystem of the of the standard feedlot um, process yeah. in that they're using grains that are coming from uh, these uh, farms that are using uh, the fertilizer that kills everything and ruins the soil. Right. And so yeah. that only anything that, that grows is the gene- uh, the GMO seed. And then, so it's the whole system yeah, there's there's tons of uh, documentaries yeah. on the damage that has done to the environment. That I wish I could remember the name of the one I listened to. It oh. was narrated by Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Not only that, like what they feed the cows, but then also if you look at like the corn and soy industry uh, yes. and the damage that those crops are doing to not only our health, but the environment. Um, and vegans think that like they can just replace their meat with all of that stuff when they're actually doing more damage to the environment than just eating beef. Um, so yeah, 
No, but I think you're right. The whole regenerative uh, process is is the way to go uh, because it also affects soil quality. Oh, for sure. Which apparently is a much bigger factor in uh, carbon emissions than I ever imagined. Like it's a it's a huge uh, impact. And uh, so anyway, we're sort of getting, oh, yeah. we're getting a rabbit hole here, but yeah, I totally agree that like, that's why when we buy our cow, we buy one from the farm down the street that, you know, does rotational grazing and really focuses on soil diversity and like, and that regeneration, regenerative part of, of farming. Uh, and I can really get behind that. Um, so even though if they does, he does some grain finishing, I, I like a little marbling in my steak. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. All the grass fed people. Uh, <laughs> So that adds a little more fat, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just for the yeah. for the flavor. Okay. Uh, and okay. let's just be honest; most people actually like the taste of conventionally raised beef better than grass fed beef, anyway. Um, yeah. Just, but but I I you know it is what it is. Yeah, I have a confession too. I mean, I actually like the taste of a farm raised salmon better than a wild caught salmon because a wild caught salmon is much leaner. Yeah. Does not have nearly as much fat. Yeah. And so, so, I mean, these big companies really know how to make food that people like. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm guilty of that too. But, uh, yeah, I thought uh, another topic we could talk a little bit about is just the whole avoidance of grains because, uh, you know, you hear a lot of good positive studies about certain grains anyway. Uh, especially oats, uh, and you know, you know, there'll be studies that show that it's uh, very heart healthy, lowers cholesterol, and so forth. Uh, doesn't well if you get the uh, pure form of oats that d- doesn't have gluten contamination. Uh, you know, do- I mean, oats doesn't naturally contain gluten, uh, so that issue can be taken out of the equation. Uh, mm-hmm. So what's what's the whole, I guess, argument against grains? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a whole lot of arguments against grains that other smarter people than I could make. Um, I boil it down really simple. A grain is simply a vehicle for nutrition. <laughs> You're not really getting any nutrition from grains. Um, you're basically getting energy, and that's about it. Um, well, I, there might be some, but there's, there's some. nothing you can't get from other better sources of food. Uh, I'd be honest, like that's probably one of people's biggest, hardest things to uh, give up is their sandwich and their pizza and their mm-hmm. bread. And uh, yeah, but that's all processed grains. I'm talking about yeah. completely unprocessed grains. Yeah. I would even just then say, yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't my... My advice on those unprocessed grains, I, I don't know. I will say that lower cholesterol isn't necessarily always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole lower heart healthy, lower healthy, I think there's a lot of talk around who gets the heart healthy stamp. I mean, Cheerios says Cheerios is heart healthy too. Yeah. yeah. And that's nothing but crap in a bowl. Um, yeah. I so would have to agree, agree a, with you on that one. You know, and when it comes to food studies, remember who those 10 big food things, you know, yeah. have a lot of influence in what those studies are and you can pretty much make it. So, it, but I've been grain free for five years and I feel pretty great. Yeah, I, I, I guess, 
like you said, uh, theoretically, whatever nutrition is in the whole grains, unprocessed grains, you're getting from you can get from vegetables and uh, I guess meats, yep. also. meat, meat and plants. Uh, you know, and I and this this could be a whole other podcast, but you know, being somebody that runs, you know, between forty and fifty, sometimes up to sixty miles a week, I eat carbs. I mean, sure. I can't. I, you know, I haven't gone to a full blown keto uh, approach, and and in fact, even somebody like Zach Bitter, uh, that for people don't know he's the current 100 mile uh that dude is ridiculous yeah he's he's but he even made a good point that you you you, to be effective uh an effective runner you had to be able to process fat and carbs right You you had to be i guess the term he uses is metabolic metabolically flexible yes so that you're because if you stay on pure keto for a long time, it starts to uh, diminish your ability to process carbs. So then, when you get in a situation where you can't avoid, you know, the need for some carbs, you then become not as efficient at, uh, at uh, handling carbs, yeah. and then so that leads to a whole other thing. Now. Given this is, I'm sort of an outlier. Being an ultra runner is not a person who's trying to lose weight, or you know, it's it's a special case. But I guess I'm kind of rambling now. But, no, well, uh, I wanted to touch. I, I guess what I'm saying is, since I need some source of carbs, you know, I I tend to try to go with the most unprocessed sure. source I can get. Uh, and, and, you know, just, I leave it at that. I, I try not to overdo it. Uh, because, you know, even if I'm running that kind of mileage, I'll notice if I eat too many carbs, I'll gain weight. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember a week where I ran like 55 miles. I gained. Now I know a lot of people are going to say, eh, you could afford to gain 10, 15, but Ignoring that, I don't care if you think I'm skinny. The point is, most people can I just shut three, the hell I up. Three I gained three pounds. It's like how they're do you body run? shaming you, Rick. There's people <laughs> body shaming oh, you, saying you're too I, skinny. I get that all the time, you know, especially from my aunts. <laughs> anyway, no, I agree that I, you know, being a, you being an athlete, that definitely I look more at carbohydrates now as being a tool. Uh, yeah. to use for your for your energy levels and, and your activity yeah. levels and what you're doing. And if you're uh, a largely sedentary person, like most Americans are, carbohydrates aren't your friends. Um, they're just going to yeah. keep making you fatter and fatter and fatter. Um, but yeah, if you're I, an athlete, you can utilize them for performance. Yeah, I guess that's the key. You You have to tie your carb consumption to your activity level. And if you're trying to make inroads into some kind of weight loss program, you're going to have to really minimize it um, Mm -hmm. uh, for blood sugar regulation and, you know, for all kinds of other, you know, if you're trying to reverse diabetes or prediabetes, you know, you're going to have to uh, stay on top of that. 
but being on the other end of the spectrum where you're already a lean athlete who needs to fuel uh, for a competition or just training, then you can tolerate carbs, yeah. especially if they're high quality carbs, yeah. I mean, as opposed to, you know, eating Cheerios or some right. cracker, you know. I mean, you got sweet potatoes, potatoes, yeah. you know, uh, apples, bananas, grapes, all kinds of different fruits you could be eating. Um, but let's, I don't know if we'll be able to break this down for people because I didn't understand how this necessarily worked when I didn't really understand nutrition, weight loss, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, so, so I'm, I'm doing this off the cuff. You might have to help me out mm-hmm. here, Rick. So like okay. if you've got a lot of stored body fat or if you're incredibly overweight, congratulations, that's what your body is supposed to do when you consume excess energy, right? It's supposed to store it as body fat. And people wonder, well, how do I get rid of this stored body fat? And the way carbohydrates and proteins and fats work, I always say the carbohydrates and the fats are fuels. They're fuels for your body. You know, yeah. one's more like a slow burning big log. That's your, that's your fats. One's yeah. more like a piece of paper you're throwing on the fire. That's your carbohydrate. You know, that's going to be that quick burning energy. And protein is for the building block of life. That's to help your body and your cells, everything in it to grow muscle, repair, all of that stuff. You know, right. so when someone eats carbohydrate, we have glycogen stores in our muscles. Let's right. just say for an example, 150 grams of carbohydrate will fill those glycogen stores, right? Mm-hmm. So we consume our our bagel and our cereal and our coffee with sugar in it for breakfast. There's probably 75 to 80 grams of carbs. We get in the car, we drive to work, we sit in our desk, we have our Nature Valley granola bar that we think is healthy because it's in a green paper and there's some oats on the front of it. That's another 20 grams of carbs. And then we eat a sandwich full of, you know, sandwich for lunch and some chips and a diet soda, because that's going to make a difference. And we're already at like 125 to 150 grams of carbohydrates at lunchtime. And we didn't even move yet. Well, then yeah. anything above and beyond that is going to be stored as fat because your, yeah. your, your gas tanks already full. Those glycogen tanks are already full. You've not depleted them yet. So any carbohydrate or fat gram you eat from then on is going to be stored as fat. And the right. only way to get to that fat is to stop eating carbohydrates and start consuming less carbohydrate, more protein. Protein is the least likely macronutrient to contribute to weight gain. So eat a lot of protein, you know, and, and fats too, and healthy fats like olive oil and butter and ghee and avocado oil and Mm -hmm. replace those carbohydrates with those foods. So your body will begin to know like, oh wait, we're going to start using fat now. And it'll slowly eliminate those carbohydrates and it'll start tapping into that body fat. Yeah, no, I think that was uh, a good summary. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what it is. It's a, it's a summary that if you're wondering why you can't get rid of the body fat, it's because you're eating too many carbohydrates. Yeah. In, in a uh, nutshell. And that is the Cliff Notes version. No, I, 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 I would agree. I, I think it does boil down to that, you know. Uh, obviously, it's more complex. Oh, yeah. But... At a summary level, it, it's it's well. And typically, well weight gain does not come alone. 
Like you might be overweight. I'll, I'll speak the unpopular opinion. There is no such thing as health at every size. Um, you can be skinny and unhealthy and you can be overweight and unhealthy. It really doesn't matter. It really matters to the quality of the foods that you are eating. Uh, and sometimes, like I said, it's, it's not a, it's not a weight that it's a, it's just the quality of the foods you're eating, wreaking havoc on your insides, causing inflammation. And it's just going to lead to disease. And you might be, have good numbers, but what happens when you get sick or something like that? And you're on the, you're teetering on that edge of, of healthy and not healthy. You know, I don't, I don't want to be hanging out there too long. No, I, I couldn't agree more because especially in the running community, you get this uh, sort of mentality where because they're thin, they think they can eat anything. They'll, mm-hmm. I, mean, I hear people making a comment all the time. I run so I can eat anything I want. And, you know, you put poor quality food in your body year upon year, even though you might be thin on the outside, you're causing damage. And there's so many stories of people who end up with heart attacks they're runners, but they still have heart attacks or heart mm-hmm. issues or ca- or cancer. Yeah. Uh, uh, the one famous one was the director of the Boston Marathon. He was a good marathoner and he had a heart attack. You know, yeah. it's just one example. So like the biggest loser, yeah. dude. What was his name? Bob or something like that. The Who? the 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 one trainer on the Biggest Loser. Um, oh, I, who had a heart I attack? Never followed. Yeah, I don't know. It was but a trainer who had a heart attack. Yeah, there, there's all kinds of examples. Yeah, just because you're thin doesn't mean you're immune uh, mm-hmm. uh, from the damage of uh, yeah. processed foods. I mean, if you're going to build a house, you're not going to want to build it with rotten wood, right? You're going to get the highest, the highest quality you can afford, really, uh, the highest quality products you can afford, because that's literally what makes up all of the cells in your body. And our bodies do a really dang good job of keeping us alive, despite the crap that we put in it. Um, yeah. So it might be 20 to 30 to 40 years till our body is like, all right, that's enough. I cannot do this anymore. You know? Yeah. Well, one last uh, topic I, I wanted to cover. Oh, I'm just getting warmed up, Rick. <laughs> Well, I'm trying, I'm trying to, uh, sort of keep things to an hour. That's, that's uh, fine. Cause I don't yeah. know. I mean, there's so much stuff we're talking about. They could oh, have so I mean, many different conversations. So yeah, yeah. We could go down so many different paths, but one thing I did want to touch upon is just the whole, because you have a lot of health coaches uh, on your show, your yeah. Joe health podcast. And I'm fascinated by the role of a health coach, because let me just give you the scenario that I hear all the time and and, and that I experienced myself is, you know, you have a medical problem and, you know, the, the doctor will either say that he doesn't even believe diet and exercise is effective, which is what I got, or they might say to you, okay, yeah. You know, if you changed your diet and you exercise, that would probably help your situation. Here's this pamphlet, you know, and uh, it was written by those companies that you've mentioned, Mm -hmm. or it was influenced by those companies you mentioned. And here you go. You're on your own. It's like there's a piece in, in the process that's missing. Like a lot of people need help. 
they can't, you can't, they, I mean, some people are great at it. Like my, the next guest and you, you know who I'm talking about. She, mm-hmm. she was great about uh, taking it upon herself to, to, to find a solution for herself, but not everybody is like that and they could use some help. And that's where I see the role of the health coach. I mean, how, how do you see it? Yeah, it's definitely a tough one because, you know, when you get certified in one program, then you find another program that's a certification program, and then you find out that there's just a ridiculous amount of certification programs out there. How do you know which one's legit or not? So yeah. it's it's tough for health coaches then to market themselves and be taken seriously you know, because I think so many people put such trust in the sick care system. Yeah. You know, where, well, I don't know. Let's see what my doctor says about that. And yeah, let's just be honest. Yeah, that, I know. guess they, they had to be incorporated somehow into the, into the mainstream medical process. Yeah. Uh, and have insurance cover them. And, you know, it has to be almost mainstream for people to accept it widely, I guess. And I would, I would assume though, which it does, but it doesn't mean they're not. I mean, I know so many of those health coaches that I've had on my show and that I know of like have helped Mm -hmm. hundreds or thousands of people, you know, reclaim their health and they're not, they're not doctors. They're just helping people navigate today's food uh, environment. You know, we said, even in the very beginning of this podcast, we said how inconvenient it is to follow a keto diet or even just to eat healthy, uh, in today's world. And it, and it's true. And I think a health coach really does help you help you do that, help you make better. It will help you learn how to make better decisions when you're eating out at restaurants or eating at a friend's house or at the grocery store. And they'll help keep you accountable too uh, to those decisions and have someone in your back pocket that you can go to to help with that stuff. And people are like, well, I don't want to pay for that. I'm like, well, what's the alternative? Because you haven't done anything yet to help yourself. Um, and like I said, some, some people, some people don't need that. Um, but I think other people do, but I think they're so afraid to part with their money because like, oh, it's not covered under insurance. And quite frankly, it is expensive. And quite frankly, I think sometimes it is a little too expensive to hire a health coach because health coaches know they can charge that money. And if you can, great. But I think, that's why I don't charge. I give everything away for free. <laughs> you know, um, I don't, I don't need it to survive. It's not, if it's not my job, like I really truly just want to help people because I know how yeah. hard it is for people to navigate today's food environment. I wrote a short ebook, um, about how to do that as well. It's like 17 pages long on just how to do what to eat, what foods to eat, the basics okay. of primal. And then what do you do in certain situations? You know, whenever uh, an office worker brings donuts or brings lunch or you're at yeah. a potluck dinner or what to eat when you're out, like just things like that to help people. That's completely free. If you go to my website and sign up at the Joe I'll, <laughs> I'll include the link. Um, <clears throat> um, yeah. But I don't, I don't charge. I don't charge for that. Some people do. And I think it's absolutely 100% fair for them to charge. I do think some of it gets a little bit ridiculous, but it, it just really all depends on what your level of, um, needs are. I guess some people have some really bad health conditions. They need some pretty good attention to and a health coach. Certain health coaches can, can help with that. They're not going to diagnose any diseases for you. Right. Um, but just to help, just to help you figure out, well, what do I eat here? What do I eat there? It is very confusing. If you Google keto, you found out there's all kinds of stuff out there. Right. Uh, so, yeah. but me personally anymore, I just really encourage people just to eat meat and plants. 
you know, just get your majority of your calories from meat and plants and, and the rest you kind of figure out on your own. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, like you said, it's navigating the whole food landscape and then also, um, forming good habits and, uh, and they can, and they're sort of like an accountability partner. So if you know somebody's sort of looking over what you're doing, that might mm-hmm. be a little extra motivation. Yeah. That if you're just completely by yourself. Oh, and uh, if you, you if you pay have. for something, you're going to take a lot more uh, interest, and you're gonna you're gonna put a lot more effort into it. You know, if you drop three hundred dollars for a month of health coaching, guess what? You have now put your coach to work, so they are obligated to help you with whatever you need help with. Uh, a, what accordance to whatever the arrangement was and it puts your back against the wall because you put money on it. You know, I had, I had a client reach out to me and all they wanted was accountability every night just to make yeah. sure they were doing the right thing. Like that's all yeah. they wanted. Right. Sure. And yeah, you know, he hired me to do that. I said, dude, I can do this for you for free, man. He's like, no, I want to pay you because I want to put my back against the wall. Too. In the game, yeah. Sure. I said, sure. No big deal. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm going to, at some point, I, I need to have a health coach on just to uh, talk some more about this. And uh, yeah, you can steal any one of mine that I had on my show; they would I, love it. Well, that seems <laughs> that's what I've been doing. Yeah, oh, I mean, <laughs> my next more, guest was on your show. Hey, so. the more people that we can get to people to listen, like I mean, it really is important. I think that I mean, with the recent pandemic, obviously, I mean, the poor health of our nation puts us at a big, um, what's my word? It just showcases how unhealthy we are. And I'm not saying that eating healthy and exercising is going to protect you from, uh, COVID-19 and how bad it is, but I'm saying you want to set yourself up for the greatest odds of success in whatever happens to you. You know, that's not the bad word success, but like it's going to help you out a whole lot better than you just spend your life eating McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and, and Jersey yeah. Mike's and all of that stuff. I don't know why I said Jersey Mike's. I've never eaten there in my life, but uh, <laughs> it, you know, it just puts yourselves in a better situation. Should something happen to you, even if you get have, a, have to have a surgery, Hey, the better health you're in going into that surgery, it's just going to make your recovery that much easier. You know, yeah. than if you're eating crab foods, if your body's trying to heal from an onslaught of, you know, processed seed oils and refined carbohydrates, you're giving it every single day. And then something bad happens, man, that's, you're just asking for a disaster. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're with, with all those habits you just mentioned, you're, you're, that's negatively impacting your immune system. Oh yeah. So when you do face something or have to recover some from something, you're already in a, uh, it's an uphill battle. You're starting behind because you don't have a strong immune system. That that's uh, that's a key is you have to have a strong immune system. And yeah, uh, yeah it's a it's a good point. Uh, I I think we're kindred spirits and that we're just trying to get the word out there Big to time. eat natural foods, whole foods. I mean, we can tweak around the edges about you know uh, certain. Oh yeah. But, if you want to have a beer, have a beer, you know, but like, yeah. it's not like you're doing that all the time. 
Right. If, if you want to, hey, live a little, have some fun, you know, like yeah. it doesn't have to be an all or nothing type deal, but it should definitely be like a 90, 10 uh, type deal. you know. Yeah. And you'd be surprised how better you feel. I mean, I, when I can tell you, I feel so much better at 65 than I did at 50. I mean, it's unbelievable. Oh, um, yeah. Just because I cleaned up my act, I educated myself and, uh, you know, I made a lot of changes and I think a lot of people, if they did the same type of thing, or even to a lesser degree, just get in the right, go, go in the right direction, at least make a start and see how you feel. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised how much, uh, you know, you even alluded to your mental, uh, outlook was impacted. So Yeah. yeah, it affects that too. Yep. There was a time, and I don't want to throw this out there when it an hour already, um, but That's right. I always knew that runs would help me feel better mentally. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. But I hated the fact that that was the only reason I ran anymore was because yeah. it was to get me out of a hole. I also found out that going and jumping in uh, the bubble down here in Boiling Springs, that's 52 degrees all year. Oh, also, yeah, cold immersion. Mm-hmm. Oh, snaps you, Wim Hof stuff. Mm-hmm. You, it immediately snaps you out of whatever funk that you're in. Yep. Um, that cold water immersion, I guarantee. Now, it'll probably come back a couple hours later, but if you need a quick snap, but that's what runs would do. And there was a yeah. time where I was, I had, I had myself dropped off at uh, Sheet Iron Run Road or Sheet Iron Roof Road on the AT. I was going to mm-hmm. run home and uh, my wife said, I didn't think you were coming home. I mean, that's how bad I was. You know, so, um, definitely through finding the trails, getting outside, cleaning up my diet, it's been a long process, um, doing a a little bit of therapy, not a whole lot of therapy, just enough to kind of help me figure out like what's going on Uh, mentally. Yeah. I still have some down days, um, Mm -hmm. but it is nothing at all. Not even close to what it was like, you know, four or five years ago. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I did believe a hundred percent that diet, exercise, lifestyle, uh, has, has played a tremendous role in helping that reversal. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So yeah, man, just people just well, eat meat and plants and get outside and I mean, eat and walk. If all you can do is walk, just walk, you know? Yeah. That's a great start. Uh, walking, uh, mm-hmm. you, you don't have to you know, I had to jump into running, especially, you know, if you haven't run in yeah. years. Or maybe you don't even run. ever have to r- jump into yeah. running. Either. You don't have to run. I mean, walking, just find something that interests you and you feel good doing. It doesn't have to be running. I mean, we talk a lot about running, but it, it, it doesn't have to be that. Just get out in nature and uh, find your own passion and uh, or what you enjoy and stick with that. Yep. And and uh, for all the people wondering, like, what does a doctor say? I challenge you, go to your doctor and say, doctor, listen, I really want to change my diet and lifestyle. I'd love to just, if if it's okay with you, doctor, can I start eating real whole foods consisting of like meats and plants, lots of broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, you know, vegetables and carrots and sweet potatoes. And I'd like to have some nice quality cuts of, of, of lean, you can say lean red meat, but we all know you're going after the ribeye of lean red meat mm-hmm. and chicken and fish and, and, eating those things and walking more and getting outside and some sunshine, but not too much some sunshine, you know, how, how would you feel about that? And I would be like, hell yeah, you need to be doing that. You know? So everything that we're suggesting here is totally 100% doctor approved. Yep. I, I believe so. I mean, what yeah. doctor would say, yeah, I don't, I think that's a bad idea. 
Yeah, I, I, right? I won't even comment. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you should eat healthier or move more or get outside more. Like I, what doctor would say that? I don't know. Well, it's not a matter of, yeah, they would go along with it, but they, they may say, well, that's, you know, that's not going to be enough. It's not going to be as good as your situation. You need, you're going to need all these meds the rest of your life. Yeah. You get into that uh, whole thing. But uh, anyway, we're, yeah. we're, we're going, we, we're going we, down, we won't go down that path. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, I appreciate you coming on Jonathan and uh, bouncing a few things around and oh, uh, sure. giving us some uh, education on keto and, uh, and your background. And, uh, and we uh, talked a little bit about health coaching. So I think yeah. it was all good. Yeah. And, yeah. At the end of the day too, I just want, I mean, sometimes I get a little aggressive now and then, but I just want to say to everybody, like, regardless of where you are in your journey, um, I know it, it can be very difficult and hard. And yeah. all I want is for people to just be like, you know what, what can, what can I do? And there's no guarantees, but if you can do something, obviously you and I both want to be there to help you begin to navigate that. Well, how do I eat a little bit healthier in today's when everybody's saying this is a health food, you know? Um, yeah. I just want to help people and know that I've been there and it sucks. <laughs> sometimes it sucks starting sometimes and realizing that you are where you are, but you have the power to change. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Jonathan, thanks a lot. And, uh, I'm sure I'll be seeing you around. I hope to catch you out there on the trails. Yeah, man. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks everyone for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks a lot.